Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to episode four of Bug Eye's Rock Pop Rambles. Um, I'm, I'm Angela from Bug Eye and this week I'm here with a podcast virgin, Gracie Two Kids. Very excited to be here, Angela. She's, she's more than just a cheer. Yeah, I can hear you. Say something, Grace. Check, check, check. Check, check, check. Hello. Yeah, I could hear you anyway. I just wanted you to do that. Oh, oh for it. Yeah, so um, just just for those that are new to the series, just explain, we're two of the members from the band Bug Eye, which is a disco punk band based in sunny, grey, windy London today. It's been every type of weather. Um, and we decided to start doing a podcast about a month ago, so this is actually officially our anniversary. Grace. Happy anniversary, Angela. Happy anniversary. Do you feel special? I do. I feel really honoured to be here. Thank you. I didn't want to spend it with anyone else. No. No. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is a music podcast that basically each week will come with a story from the world of rock and pop and talk you through that. We also bring along a new discovery or a band that we think that you should be checking out. So we all each play uh, a song that hopefully you'll like and, and become a fan of those bands too. And I did I did have a message, Grace, and I'm not sure if you've logged into our um, email account for this show, but uh, someone, someone was asking for a lot more detail on the mamas uh. and papas. And I just want to say, this is probably the podcast for those people that really do like music. Are probably quite, an, you know, a collective. I can't even say it. Say it for me. What? Are you, I don't know what you're trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> Spe- collect- spell it. Collect. Oh, co- <laughs> oh man, words failing me. Right, they like a lot of different music. Yeah, eclectic. Yeah. That's it. There that's we it. go. That's you. What... <laughs> Eclectic. For some reason, I just couldn't get the word out. Thank you. For those who don't know, I also have a stutter, so I get stuck on words sometimes. Have um, you? Yeah. I didn't know that. So oh. I just I just sort of pause and have to think of a replacement word. Oh, I and didn't then know sometimes that about that means you, I just get stuck and go a bit silent. Oh. That's what happened actually on the podcast until this moment. So yeah. Anyway. Also, if you, if you're a fan of fact checking, this show definitely isn't for you. No, it really, really isn't. <laughs> this is for people that like music, that want to feel like they know about artists without actually having to do any research. So they can just read off a few random, as you say, probably untrue facts <laughs> about them down the pub or over Skype drinks, which is what we're all doing now. So today's show, I'm going to play a track from Cat5 called um, Butterfly Wings. And I'm also going to talk about Kate Bush. Oh. A bit nervous about that one because you are a big Kate Bush fan. I am, but I trust you. Well, you could do... I, she's in safe hands, I think. Mm, I, don't, I don't know about that, Grace. But I think you could do like live um, corrections corner. So as I'm reading off stuff, you'd be like, no. I don't no. want to do that to you, Angela. No. I'll just let you believe it and I'll just leave it. <laughs> you could have like a little buzz up. <laughs> if you say something wrong. Next time. <laughs> so who are you talking about today and who have you brought along? Brought along someone? Not yes. brought along someone. Music. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'll be talking about Delia Derbyshire. You said that name rang a bell, but you didn't. Oh, no, I'm thinking of the TV 
presenter person, aren't I? Who's got the same surname? Who's that? Is it Rebecca Derbyshire? I'd, I don't know. I have a clue. Victoria Derbyshire. That's oh, it. I didn't know. You're not talking about her. No, though. we're not. Just to no. clarify, I'm not talking about Victoria Derbyshire. <laughs> Delia Derbyshire, who I think is okay. very interesting. I think you'll like that one. And then my new music is Gigi Allen Partridge, who we absolutely love. Yeah, we discovered them. We played a gig with them in Middlesbrough, and I wanted to play that track, but you bagged it before I did. Bagged them, didn't I? Yeah. Mm. Right. Well, shall I? Shall I? Should we start with a bit of music this week? Why not? Why not? Oh, yeah. Bit of a break from my rambles. Um. Yeah. So I'm gonna play a track by a Cat Five, who is from Farrell Five. And this is Kat's first solo project. Um, it's quite a dark sounding, edgy sort of track. It's called Butterfly Wings. And as I said, it's Cat Five's first solo release. And she says it's a fragile and haunting electronic track about freedom that features a sample of a butterfly that found its way into her studio. Oh, sampling ties in nicely with my... Uh... Celeb. Does, does it now? Does yes, it now? Yes, yeah. Also with mine. I oh, think there's a bit of a theme here. Yeah, I think yeah. there might be. Right, so without further delay, I'm going to sample this cookie that Julia just put on ah, my desk. I'm going to top and up play my buffalo wings. Huh? I'm going to top up the old wine. Oh, I've got coffee. For once, I'm not drinking alcohol. Anyway, I'm going to play butterfly wings. Here it is. Butterfly wings Don't break me Butterfly wings Don't make me Butterfly wings Don't break me Butterfly wings Don't break me
Okay, so that was Cat. I was about to say Cat. Yeah, it is Cat Five. That was Cat Five that I just played. So I hope you like that song. So check it out on Spotify. I always say this every week: follow, like, share, add it to a playlist. Yeah, follow, follow, um, follow. Yeah, just just do what you can. It it doesn't cost you anything. So please do support new music. Um, should I? Do, do you want me to? go first yeah you go first Angela yeah are you sure I'm absolutely sure because I feel feel a bit nervous about doing this one in front of you I feel like I'm uh, you've got yeah. nothing to be nervous about nothing no yeah. anything anything that I think I'll just say it behind your back yeah I think that's, so don't that's worry probably, about it that's probably best actually I think yeah. that's what the band do anyway so it's nothing new there Anyway, so just just before I start, so I say I am going to talk about Kate Bush, but I'm not gonna. It's not going to be like her life story or anything like that. I'll give a bit of a background and some cool facts, and we can just have a little chat about someone who I think is uh, pretty cool. She is pretty cool, to be fair to her, isn't she? Did you know she was born Catherine Bush? Oh no, I didn't. She was born Catherine Bush on the thirtieth of July, nineteen fifty-eight. And that was in Bexley Heath in Kent. And she was raised in a farmhouse um, in the town of Welling. Welling, never been. Yeah. And she got into music via her brothers, especially Paddy. Uh, they were a great inspiration to her because they were always playing music and playing like kind of weird instruments, which has, you know, sh- she says if it wasn't for them, you know, she, she wouldn't have had such a wide range of... Um, things to experiment and play with so how many sorry how many brothers did she have two brothers two two brothers yeah so she began playing music at an early age and that was like sort of part of her education um but she took up the piano when she was 12 and at 13 she began her first attempts to put um her poems to music so she started off with poetry first of all then started putting that to music and in 1972 a friend of the family ricky hopper thought enough of Kate's work that he tried to place some of her songs for possible use with other artists at several record labels uh, but that that they were all rejected at that stage um, labels weren't weren't listening but as luck would have it um, she was then introduced to an old acquaintance of Hopper's uh, from the University of Cambridge and it was David Gilmore who yeah, was a I've, member of the rock band Pink Floyd. Yeah, I've heard this. I've heard that he discovered her, but I was never really sure how true it was. Yeah, no, that I mean, well, it might not be. No, it is. It is. I actually also watched a documentary on Kate Bush, and she does she does talk about him. Yeah, a lot. He really he really championed her music, and it you know a lot. It it's really quite different. I think one of the things you can say about Kate Bush is there is no one that sounds like Kate Bush. No, she does have a really unique sound, doesn't she? That's what I and, love about her, yeah, to be honest. Ex- exactly, yeah, same here. And as, as luck would have it, Gilmore was looking for other artists at the time to work with. Um, and so he helped launch her career. He really liked the material. He um, recorded her some new demos in 1973 with a few other fellow musicians. Um, however, no interest came from record labels with these demos either. Feeling frustrated at the lack of interest, Gilmore worked with Kate to produce a three-track professional-level demo, which he then passed on to Bob Mercer at EMI. 
and then that started her her first major record deal but she didn't actually get to put a record out until like a year after that i mean this was back in the days when record labels used to do things like development deals so they'd put artists in studios yeah put them up with producers yeah get them to write record and work out basically if they wanted to really go ahead and work with that artist yeah um and there were a number of artists that, that, that went through that whole process and, and their material never was released. Um, but, but yeah, that wasn't the case for Kate. So the album was completed by September 1977 um, and EMI were gearing up to release the track called James and the Cold Gum. And that was, that was going to be the first single. Oh, right, okay. Um, but something that I found out was that the first time that Kate Bush performed in public was actually fronting her brother's band. Ah, right, okay. Um, yeah, she I read played, something she, about this. She yeah. played she played this song. She sang this song. Yeah. So the first time she ever sang in public was in a pub in Lewisham. Ah, interesting. Do you know which yeah. pub? Of course not. No. That's that's too deep. That's about as far as Yeah. Anyway, needless to say, um Kate felt really strong about what first single should be and so did quite a few others and so they went with weathering heights they thought it'd be a better single the timing of it being released they sort of pushed it back because they felt you know by the time they wanted to put it out was november lots of people putting out christmas records this is just gonna go into obscurity yeah but she did actually get a lot of uh, radio airplay at that time so when it finally did come out in january it was an absolute smash hit um it reached number one within six weeks of its release yeah and held the top spot for four weeks so yeah excellent and did you know kate bush fact here kate bush was the first singer um the first sorry oh my god this is where i've just confused my my notes where am i how many how many notes have you got i'm a bit worried here you seem to have I've, a handful I've just, of paper I've scribbled, there no i've scribbled um I highlighted something from a book and the book is Women in Rock by Dale Sherman. Yes, I know what you're um, me. Yeah, so that's that's quite a good book, so check that out. So I've read some stuff from there. Uh, there's a BBC documentary that I watched that's from 2014, I want to say. That's probably wrong, but it's it's got like St Vincent in and, and loads, of, loads of big artists, so I got some information from that. And then just from various sites online, uh, Rolling Stone is always a great place for... Stuff. So, yeah, so basically, um, Weathering Heights was the first time a woman had reached number one with a song that she'd just completely written herself. Amazing. In the UK. So, and that was the same, actually, for um, the album Never Forever, which was released in September 1980. And that hit the number one spot in the British album charts within one release, uh, within one release? Within one week of its release, which was also... Um, was that a record for that time? Oh, was so that, that a record breaking? Yeah, yeah, that was the first for a, a British solo album by a woman to to do that. So yeah, quite groundbreaking, I suppose. With her music, it's oh god, it's just how to describe Kate Bush. It's like kind of a mixture of like dance, mime, all sorts of like yeah forms of performing art. Yeah, I was going to say she's like a performance artist, really, isn't she? Yeah, ex- exactly. And she did some some really groundbreaking stuff. So this is this is where I am going to talk about. Um, oh, by the way, also just note to note, she was only um, seventeen when she wrote um, 
Weathering Heights. That's 17. Mad. That's insane, isn't it? Such amazing stuff. And um, yeah, she was 19 when it was released, but she was 17 when, when that was when that was written. So that's just quite crazy. And I suppose um, she was also pioneering because sampling was coming in at that time. Yeah, I, I love that you're to... talking about this. This just ties in so nicely with mine, Angela. This is yeah. perfect. It's good. That's why I picked this. This is good, all well. good There's... stuff. Yeah, all good yeah. stuff. With the sample of the butterfly wings from Cat Five, the sampling here in Babushka, the song Babushka, there she uses the um, people were just like recording all sorts of things at that time, but she put in the sound of glass breaking within that song that features within that as part of the musical accompaniment to the song. And um, not many people were exploring things like that in this way, and certainly not within within pop music. So, you know, it was really, really quite a creative thing. And I suppose, I mean, that's that's the thing that plays out throughout her whole career, really. Uh, it's like she, she plays with layers, doesn't she? Mm-hmm. Really, it's like there's, there's a lot of, like, push, pulls, it weaves, it leaps, it flows. It's incredibly playful, her music. And it's almost like each song is, like, her experimenting what she can do with her voice yeah but almost almost like in a sort of um almost childlike in a sense it's yeah like you can just tell like she it's almost like when she sort of hits the notes or discovers she can do something different you can almost hear that excitement yeah in that that sort of comes through so yeah i just yeah incredible songwriting skills now i've got a quiz for you grace Oh really? I'm going to yeah. be really bad at this, you know, because I don't, I don't know yeah. dates and things. Oh no, 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 no! It's going to be right. Okay. Um, oh, if my phone ever loads, which Dusty Springfield song? I said that completely wrong. Which song did Dusty Springfield cover of Kate Bush's? Oh. Um... Is it? Is it the man with the child in his eye? You googled that. Yes. Is it? Is it? Okay, I'm not going to do too many of these, but um, Nada Surf also did a cover of a Kate Bush song. There's been loads of people that have covered. I'm not going to do them all. Don't worry. What song did they do? I, I haven't got a clue. Sorry, Love Angela. and anger. Love and anger. Love, oh, okay. Yep. Then who else has have a little... Okay, this is an easy one. You've got to know this. Okay. Which song did the Future Heads cover of Kate Bush's? Future Heads. Um... Oh, God, this was huge. Yeah, I know. It's the, it's the big one, isn't it? Is it Sounds of Love? It is. It Yay! is. Well done. Two out of three. You're almost class. a super fan. I'm, I'm gutted about that second one. I should have known that. Three, you know, three questions. You've got two of them right, Grace. You're not going to win a prize, but, you know. Gutted. Absolutely gutted. <laughs> so, um, I suppose, what else can, can I say? I mean, about Kate Bush. Um, placebo. Also did a yeah cover. they did didn't they running, running up, up that, that hill wasn't it yeah. yeah first aid kit there's been loads Matthew Young whoever the hell he is I don't who, know who Matthew Young Matthew Young 
Don't Never know who my age. Don't know who he is. No, I don't know who he is either. Don't care either. Um, there was something else that was really important that I was going to tell you about Kate Bush, but um, so I'm now just quickly scrolling through notes. But I think I've lost it. I was going to talk a bit about um, the meaning behind some of the songs, but I think that's a little bit too too much for this podcast. Really. I mean, <laughs> it gets a bit too deep. It's a, bit, it's a bit too deep. But I suppose, so Kate Bush, um, she had like a 35-year hiatus from playing live. The last time that she played live, well, well, not the last time, but, you know, before she took that big gap, was in 1979. Uh, and then she didn't play again until, it was last year, wasn't it? Uh, it was earlier than that. It was no, it was, was it like twenty fourteen or something? No, no, no. Or was it twenty eighteen? Let's Google it. Hang on. Google it. I'm sure I I had this up. I should know. But essentially, there were loads of rumours that flew around as to why. Um, so she do you are you on about when she came when she came back? Her, did, when did when you, I when saw did, her? Yeah, when yeah when you saw her. That was twenty fourteen. Twenty fourteen. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Yeah, that was the last time she played um, live. But before that, you wouldn't have seen her live unless you were kicking around in in nineteen seventy nine. She took she took a break. Um, it wasn't an intentional break. And there's an article in Enemy actually that cites it's pretty much like a version of our podcast. There's nothing original in the article. It cites every other article like the Independent and Guardian and everyone else and pulls all information together. But it's still a good read to so read it. Um, and it's basically she hadn't intentionally meant to take a break from touring it was literally she just she's someone who has never just put out a record because she has to yeah she likes to take her time recording and then she has become more of a producer with this and then also is is incredibly caught up with the the visual side of things and everything that she does is like a piece of art so you know, it it was just a case of in twenty fourteen. Obviously, the timing, the timing was right, and uh, yeah, she she went back out on the road. She played Hammersmith. Was it Hammersmith Apollo? Hammersmith Apollo. Yeah. Yeah, she did a number of number of nights there. I didn't go. Absolutely gutted. I only but, got yeah. tickets because my friend got tickets for us. It wasn't really. I wouldn't have got them if it wasn't for her. So I'm very great. Actually, no, it wasn't her. It was her auntie. Ah. I'm very grateful for that. It was, yeah, it was incredible. Yeah. <sighs> well, so, people, that was Kate Bush. I wanted to find some kind of, I don't know, really bizarre facts or whatever, but there's there's just, you know, there isn't really. Oh, actually, I'll tell you what is cool. Have you seen, and I'm going to look at this up so yes. I can tell people, the... Um, Kate Bush fans doing um, Wuthering Heights. Um, ah, group dance. Kate Bush. So Google. If you go to YouTube, type in Kate Bush Wuthering Heights dance group, and it is basically the ultimate Kate Bush experience, where all these like, oh, how many people did it? Um, let's see. Let's have a look. Does it oh, sh- yeah, I, see. I say, can see it. What does it say? What does it say? So this was in July. The one that I've got here was the Ultimate Kate Bush Experience, which was um, 
a Shambush team in London on July 16, 2016. And it's everyone dressed up in the red chiffon, like the outfit from the Weathering Heights video and, and doing all of the dance moves at the same time. Think it's it brilliant. It looks brilliant. amazing. You have to watch it. I'll put, I'll put a link in the show notes for this. That looks amazing. Cool. Right, yeah, so I suppose that is Kate Bush. And actually, um, be sure to check out, we have just launched, or will have launched, um, a happy anniversary playlist for um, our podcast, which is featuring all the music that we have talked about so far, so new bands and anyone that was mentioned. So from things like, obviously, Kate Bush, the Beach Boys, Mamas and Papas, Jimi Hendrix was featured in... Um, Cynthia Plastercaster episode, loads of stuff. So, Grace, who are you playing this week? So, I've chosen um, a band from Newcastle called Gigi Allen Partridge. Uh, we saw them in Middlesbrough, the Base Camp yep. International Women's Day Festival. They, yeah, they were amazing. They're so they good live. Um, so... There's, is there a story behind their name? Because we, we basically went out and got drunk with them after that gig. Well, <laughs> I vaguely remember there being a story behind the name, but I don't know if I made that up. So, yeah, no, there was. And I ho- only have vague memories of that night as well. So I think between us, we can probably try and remember the story. But I think, wasn't it that they... So there was... The name comes from Gigi Allen and Alan Partridge. And they said yes. they... They chose that name because people would think they were a certain type of band based on that name. Yeah. But actually, when you see them, you, you'd think it could just a bunch of blokes. But yeah. actually, then when that's, you that's... when you see them, you realise it isn't. And it's this, yeah. like, amazing Riot girl style music, which is just incredible. Um, yeah. Yeah, really, really, really nice bunch of people. Um, cool. So, yeah, so the track that I am have chosen is I Saw. Um, yep. Sounds very Bikini Kill. Cool. Um, yeah. Should we give it a spin? Give it a spin.
that was a really cool song, Grace. Thank you. Well, I knew, I knew it would be. Knew it would be. I wanted to play them. You stole them. <laughs> Sorry, Angela. Thief. Thief. So you can't trust keyboard players. Come on oh, now. Oh, actually, Come on now. Don't generalise. I saw a very pretty piece of piano music being played by you on Instagram. Oh, did you now? I did. I, did Gracie. I have to confess. Um, it I wasn't you. <laughs> Well, no, you can't see my face, can you? So it... <laughs> I was pretty drunk, to be quite honest with you. And I did I forgot that I'd posted it. And when I woke up, I was like, oh, shit. You can't take but it down you... now. Too many people have seen it. But it's perfect. It's not like... It's... Okay, it's, it's basically, it's Grace playing chopsticks really badly. <laughs> it's not at all. It's, it's Chopin, isn't it, you were playing? The old Chopin, just... yeah. She's fancy, fancy is Grace. Look at that. <laughs> Drinking her wine in her pyjamas. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, okay, I actually did find some random facts go on. about Kate Bush. Yes, go on. Um, so I'll just re- read a few of them yep. off. Because I felt like mine was all very serious and I'm used to just... Uh, yeah, educate yeah. me. Educate me. Anna. Yeah, come educate on. you. Okay, did you know um, that Kate Bush asked the Queen for her autograph? And this was up in uh, 2005 at Buckingham <laughs> Palace. She went up to reception and basically asked, is the Queen there and if she could have her autograph? And uh, later she comments, um, basically, I made a complete arse of myself. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, good old Katie. Um, Catherine. What else did she say? Catherine, even. Thank Catherine. you. Just making up her name now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, some, look, you know, I was really trying hard to find some really funny things here, but I just couldn't. Like, you know, another fact is that Kate Bush did not enjoy school. Ah, oh, well, who did, to be fair? No, exactly. I don't think that's just a fact <laughs> of life with everyone, isn't it? Yeah. Um, she also turned down an offer to support Fleetwood Mac on their huge 1978 US Rumours tour. Did she? I didn't know. What was the reasoning behind that? Because that seems a bit... That's the only sentence that's in front of me at that, that, uh, <laughs> that moment in time. So I don't, I don't think we'll ever know, Grace. We'll never know. Um, oh, this is it. Yeah. Go on. So, you know I said about Lewisham? Oh, yes. She played her first... Yes. Yep. So, in 1977, yep. pub goers in the South East could have enjoyed a series of live performances by the Katie Bush Band. Their set included Bush singing Nutbush City Limits. So this would have been um, when she first played in Lewisham and that was her brother's band. Excellent. Yeah. Well, there you go. So, and then last one, last one. Um, what else have we got here? So, oh, yeah, yeah. Kate Bush, guest appearance on Spirit of the Forest, a 1989 Live Aid-style flop of a charity single, also featuring Iggy Pop, Kim Wilde, Fish from Marion, the um, what's it called? Jungle Brothers. She she was basically um, it was called. If you look up Spirit of the Forest, it was like a charity single that um, you know even the Ramones were on that, and uh, yeah, it was just a complete flop. I didn't know about. I've never heard of that before. Had no, you heard of it? Ne- no, no, interesting. No, never, never never heard of it. Oh, there you go. Um, yeah, so she was. She was also. Oh, and also, last, 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 promise, last thing. But I think this is quite a cool thing. <laughs> yeah. Um. So when she was a little bush, 
in in Kent. <laughs> um, she, <laughs> she she um, she was a really big fan of Elton John, and then later in life, when she's all grown up, um, she she actually got to meet him and became a friend of his, and even went to his his wedding. How cool was that? Yeah, that you can have you an imagine, idol and you, you know. Can you imagine that? That's that's incredible, isn't it? Yeah. So I suppose, you know, at some point I'll be going to St. Vincent's wedding. Yeah, um, pro- probably, yeah. Because she'll be marrying me. So, <laughs> you know, uh, that wasn't that funny. And Julia's here. She's got headphones on, so she didn't hear that. <laughs> um, yeah, love St. Vincent. Uh, <laughs> so I, I really have rambled loads. So... Who who are you talking about again? Delia Derbyshire. Devonshire. Who, sorry? Delia Derbyshire, not Victoria Derbyshire and not Delia yeah. Smith. Okay. Delia Derbyshire. But could they not form a band? They could do, yeah. If Yeah. There's nothing stopping them. <laughs> <laughs> the Devonshire, I think that's a great idea. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. I think I think we should we should try and make that happen. <laughs> <sighs> Sorry, I'm going to let you speak now. No, Go you're fine. Educate me, educate me. Right, so let me just get my notes up because uh, when I say notes, I mean Wikipedia. <laughs> That's all right. I've, I've just been reading from. No, I read from the Guardian those those random facts, and there's like sixty of them. I just couldn't bother to read them all. So uh, well, I I panicked halfway through your Kate Bush bit because I thought, oh, she's got loads. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to pluck some out of thin area. I just make it up. <laughs> I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. So. Right. Okay. So now she she unfortunately isn't with us anymore. Oh, oh, that, that scarpers the idea of a bloody band, doesn't it, Grace? Oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, sorry about that. Right, so, old Delia Derbyshire, right. So, she was born in 1937. Mm-hmm. And she, she's from Coventry, Midlands. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, she's, she's actually really interesting. So, she was a mathematician and a musician, right? Mm-hmm. And... She was very, very important. According to The Guardian, who are always right. Always. Always. She's the unsung hero of British electronic music. Are you sure you haven't heard of her, Angela? I really haven't. You know what I've got? I've got a book, which is, um, it's the history of electronic music. She's not in there. Um, Sat on my desk that I haven't started, that's on my list to read. Ah. It's on my pile to read, and I haven't read it, so... I'm sure after I'll be kicking myself going, oh, that's who it is. But no, she sounds really cool. She, yeah, she was. So she carried out like pioneering work with the BBC Radiophonic Workshop in the 60s. So should I talk a bit about the Radiophonic Workshop, do you think? For those who don't know who they are. So they were basically a group of sound designers who worked in the sound effects department at the BBC. And that was from like the late 60s to the late 90s, I think. Okay. Um, So at first they created music for radio but then they moved on to television okay so loads of bands like Aphex Twin have I said that right I've just realized I've never had to say that out loud before oh I'm sure we'll get (laughs) (laughs) Aphex Twin Chemical Brothers Orbital yeah yeah, that's right yeah. yeah they've all cited her as like a major influence in their work so she 
she's like really really important person who I well I'd sort of heard of her name but I didn't really know what she did but I suppose if you aren't sort of bang into electronic music then you know I suppose you wouldn't necessarily know who that who that is but saying that you know all of the people that you've just reeled off I know all of them exactly so, uh, yeah it's it's yeah. I, I was a bit I was a bit ashamed of myself really that I hadn't I didn't really know who she was but um so Pink Floyd sampled her music in their track one of these days don't know if you know that one which is a nice no. little tie in there with the old uh, Kate Bush David Gilmore yeah. Um, yeah. my dad will be chuffed with that little fact as well. So that one, <laughs> that one was for you, Timmy. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. she was like a really interesting woman. So she was accepted at both Oxford and Cambridge University. Um, yeah, ridiculously intelligent, but she decided on Cambridge. Uh, she landed a scholarship, which is incredible for a working class woman in the fifties. I, I looked up the statistics on how many women were at Cambridge in the fifties and it was like one in 10. I thought you just didn't say one, it was her. <laughs> yeah, it was like one in ten, so that's incredible. That's, it's so disturbing when you just think, that really isn't that long ago. No, it's really. mad, isn't it? So yeah, she landed this scholarship at Cambridge University, which in itself is incredible. So she did her first year in maths, um, and she had like some success in mathematical theory of electricity. Okay. But then in her second year, she, she switched to music. Because she that was that's her like passion. Um, I think she studied like medieval and modern music or something like that. Again, might not be true, but <laughs> no, I think Medi- so. hang on, hang on, hang on. Medieval music. So she studied medieval music and modern music. I know that's very broad, but uh, yeah. Did you know? Did you know? And this is this is a fact from my days when I worked at Universal Music. Sting recorded an album that was medieval it was like a loot album oh i didn't know that that's really cool is it cool in, is a, it? in a way <laughs> it's a. Uh, I think it's a bit of a piss take isn't it that you just <laughs> uh, it sound, it, it, it's got it might be incredible i never listened to it so it sounds like someone who's got too much time on their hands to be fair or, or someone maybe it was taking the pisses in they'll just put out anything <laughs> I, you know, yeah. I'm Sting. I do whatever I want. Yeah, exactly. No, so, so um, maybe we'll put um, a Sting lute song into our uh, playlist, and uh, you can tell us what you think. Do it. <laughs> so, where did it get to? Right, yeah. So she studied maths for a year, then switched to music, and then she, after uni, she applied for a position at Decca Records, which I think, Ooh. according to my research, was is based in Kensington. Have you heard of them? I hadn't. Decca. Yeah, Decca they're quite. Yeah, 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 yeah they're, they're huge, aren't big, they? Big record label. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. Weirdly, didn't recognise the name, but yeah. Um. So, but she was told they don't employ women in their recording studios. Well, I don't know why I'm sounding surprised. It's not surprised, is it, for the for the time back then? I think you probably still get that in some recording studios. Um, they just can't officially say that's the reason. Um. But yeah, so well, I thought they, for a Cambridge graduate, they'd make an exception. But no, well, no, but it's a woman, <clears throat> it's a man's world, Grace. I know. I I'm fuming. But that must be so frustrating to be so qualified. I know it's unbelievable. And judged 
for your gender. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, this is not new, anything that we're saying here, but it, you know, it's... Yeah, yeah. ridiculous. But anyway, so she was rejected from Decca Records. Uh, She worked at the UN for a bit. Don't know what she was doing. Uh, (laughs) She was at the UN for a bit. And then... (laughs) Uh, in 1960, she joined the BBC as a trainee assistant studio manager. Uh, cool. And then she was eventually assigned to the Radiophonic Workshop, where she stayed for 11 years. Uh, she created music and sound for almost 200 radio and television programmes. That's just... Look, this is this is just like um, Carol Kay, who Kerry covered um, a couple of episodes back, who's sort of, you know, she's known as the Queen of Bass, and she played on over, like, 10,000 records, and I'd never heard of her. Yeah. Although, to say that since... I was listening to like six music and they started talking about Carol Kay and and I've since heard someone I just think I've just been walking around with closed ears maybe on that one but um that's in, that's amazing. Yeah, 200 radio and TV programs. So, this is this is my favorite bit. Her most famous work from this yep. period and probably her entire career was her electronic arrangement of the Doctor Who theme. <gasps> so she was she responsible. Yep, she's responsible Ooh. for Doctor Who. Yeah. <sighs> Oh, that is so iconic. That is, yeah. That's 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 like the soundtrack to my my youth when I was little tiny dot. And my parents always had well, always had Doctor Who on. It wasn't like it was from the minute we woke <laughs> it wasn't up. Obsessive. Like, you must watch Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we had on. Um, no, but like just that. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. So that's, she I, she created. Oh, I love that. So she created. Well, came up with the electronic arrangement. The score was actually written by a guy called Ron Grainer. But she had to realise it, so she basically created all the sounds from scratch. So considering, like, the limitations of the technology at the time, that's incredible. So she used, like, wine bottles, lampshades, voices, white noise, just everyday sounds, really. Um, That's that's just amazing. um, Really amazing. With oscillators... So she cut the sounds, uh, well, just, you know, tape recording of the day, basically. So she cut the sounds so the joints were seamless, combined sounds on individual tape recorders. So yeah. considering it's a world without synthesizers, it was, like, yeah. really meticulous work. Um, when, when was that? This was, so she joined the, I don't know, so she, uh, in 1960, she joined the BBC. So this yeah. was in the 60s. So this was early I just, 60s, I think, maybe like 63 or something. Yeah, I don't know when the first Doctor Who was. Let's Google it. I was going to say, in that documentary about Kate Bush, there's an amazing section. Um, I think it's about 26 minutes into it, which um, has awesome footage of sound sampling and synths. It is like the most biggest sort of computers with like just the most elaborate setup with all these crazy big synths. Yeah. Like, really, like, green sound wave things. It's brilliant. Go and look at that. Yeah, I definitely will. Um, right, so, yeah. So, she... Ridiculously intelligent and creative woman. Uh, pioneered electronic music. But she basically, like, cr- created her own technique. So, she yeah. came up with her own aesthetic. Um, but... So this is quite interesting. So Grainer, uh, the guy who wrote the score that she realised, he insisted that she had half the royalties 
for the, uh, the Doctor Who theme. But she didn't get a penny because at the time the BBC had this rule where like members of the workshop were kept anonymous and uncredited. Oh, shit. So she she so later on I think they changed the rules but like not retrospectively so she got no money at all for the Doctor Who thing. Mm. That's and I suppose at the time it was just it was just so normal that you you didn't get money for these things but it's really it's really shocking isn't it? Yeah, you what do you think when they changed the rule they'd sort of go back and well, I don't know. It's probably I, don't think, I mean how many people would that It's very complicated, isn't it? It, it just shouldn't have been a rule anyway and, and that that's you know, it's not just down to whether you're a woman or whatever, that's just a very unfair way of doing things. Yeah. Really. So uh, she um, didn't see a penny for any of that. Um <sighs> But yeah, so because of that role, she directed and participated in loads of groundbreaking projects, but was never like really given the recognition that she was due. Yeah. Um, you know the al- I I hadn't heard of this actually. An album called "An Electronic Storm" by White Noise. It was released no, in the I late sixties. So mm. now it's apparently considered like a really important and influential album in like the okay. development of electronic music. She worked with them on that, but it was all credited to them because of this rule about uh So again, she's like a ghostwriter. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <sighs> and then in 73, she left the BBC, enjoyed Electrophon, which was or is or was a studio in Covent Garden. Okay. Um but then not long after that, she left London and worked in an art gallery in a bookshop for a while. Um, and she died in 2001. Yeah. Um, so there was obviously like loads of stuff written about her then, which was really interesting to read. So later on in her life, she started to take an interest in, electro- in, in electronic music again and collaborated yeah. with Sonic Boom. Okay. Um, and I thought you might like this one, Angela, because of your... Yeah. Uh, completely healthy obsession with the Paul conspiracy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> she, ne- she nearly worked with Paul McCartney. So she nearly worked with She Paul nearly McCartney. worked with So apparently and these are the words of Paul McCartney. So he found where she lived and went round stalker. Yeah, I was going to say you will ignore the, how inappropriate that is. <laughs> um and he asked her to remake Yesterday. So he wanted her to produce an electronic backing for the song, but then nothing ever came of it. And he talks about how they discussed it for hours in a shed at the bottom of her garden. <laughs> <laughs> Which sounded really dodgy. I'm, su- I'm sure it was fine, but... <laughs> um, oh, that's a shame that didn't, that didn't happen. I know. But... That, that would have been amazing. This bit might be fake news because I haven't researched it properly, but I think she shared a bill with the Beatles at the Roundhouse in the late 60s because apparently the Beatles created a 14-minute track called Carnival of Light, but it was never officially released, and she was on that same bill, but I don't know if... Ooh. I don't know how... Yeah, Carnival of Light. Hmm. I can't bother to Google it right now. I'll do it later. Yeah, do it later. Um... Yeah. Carnival. I'm, I'm doing it now. Carnival of Light. Yeah, yeah, it's come up. Has it come up? It has, yeah, yeah, yeah. Carnival of Light. You can listen to it on Deezer, apparently. Does anyone. I'm not going to slag off 
these are. Don't sound, but God. I don't use them. Um, <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It's not by the Beatles. It's just Song by Dead Can Dance. Oh. Um, oh, no, 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 it does. So Carnival of Light is an unreleased avant-garde recording of the English rock band The Beatles. It was commissioned for the Million Volt Light... Uh, come on, Wikipedia. Uh, million Volt Light and Sound Rave, an event held at the Roundhouse in London on the 28th of January in 1967. There was a rave in 1967. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, she was involved in that, and I can't remember how... But she, yeah, apparently she was involved in it. I don't know if she was involved in the track that the Beatles did or whether it was a separate thing, but she was there. Um, Sounds, I mean, yeah, I'm just scrolling. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Just, um, it says the, so they talk about um, da, 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 music composed by Paul McCartney and Unit Delta Plus. The latter was an electronic music group whose members oh, included yes. composers Delia Derbyshire yes. and Brian Hodgson from the BBC Radiophonic Workshop and Synthesizer Pioneer Peter... Z- oh, no, I can't pronounce that. No, yes, that rings a bell now you've said that. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 that, that guy, Edwards, took McCartney to meet Zinofeck, I can't... Z-I-N-O-V-I-E-F-F. Yeah. I keep seeing that name. I, I, I don't know how you pronounce that. Uh, but anyway, Paul McCartney went to his house, um, and guess where that house was? Uh, don't know. In Putney, Grace. Oh, really? In Putney. Putney, eh? The number 37. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I'm an idiot, because you don't live in Putney, do you? No, you Peckham. Peckham. <laughs> I did wonder. Both, <laughs> both begin with a P, though, so I was close. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's Delia Derbyshire, really. So I just felt like everyone should know who she, who she was. Well, I'm definitely gonna have a little little dig about that one because that just sounds really cool. I just I say to Kerry, like I just think this is really cool because if I say cool one more time, I might slap myself in the face. But I'm learning about people that I should, for a number of reasons, already have heard of, but not. And I suppose it's impossible to to know everyone in music and all the great things that that people have done. But it's certainly widening my record collection. Yeah. The stuff that I'm I'm listening to. And also the podcast is keeping me sane while we're in lockdown. So Well, yeah, it's a uh, it's a good way to spend time, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. But yeah, so the in Coventry, for those of you who were whose stomping ground is the Midlands, there's a street named after her called Derbyshire Way. Ah. Mm. And she was awarded a posthumous honorary doctorate for her contributions to electronic music by Coventry University. And is Victoria Derbyshire her daughter? Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. You heard it here, guys. (laughs) (laughs) I I think I think that kind of wraps it up for for our uh, anniversary episode. Um, but like I said before, if you've got a story you want us to cover or a band you want us to play, do drop us an email at um, rockpoprambles at gmail.com or message us on our social media channels. We are Bug Eye Band on Twitter and Bug Eye Music on Facebook. So you can find us find us there. But we'll post, we'll post some details of the um, Spotify playlist that we're going to put out and also we've we've mentioned so many times that we're going to do an instagram post 
with some of the things we've been talking about, especially the conspiracy theories of the Beatles and the um, Gene Simmons um, picture of him as a cow or a cow as him, yeah. whichever. You know, all these amazing things you have to say, <laughs> we will put onto Instagram and we'll we'll message out when that's that's there. So, uh, do you have anything else to say, Grace? Uh, keep washing your hands. Uh, and your hair. Yeah, and your hair. Uh, don't touch your face. Don't talk to strangers. Don't talk to strangers. Stop, look and listen before you cross the road, if you are crossing the road. Yeah. That's it. That's it. That's lessons for life there. Yeah. Okay, thanks for listening, everyone. Thank Over you. and out. Done. <laughs>